UX Podcast Episode 89. Welcome to UX Podcast. Happy holidays. I'm James Royal Lawson. And I'm Paradox Boom. And we're balancing business technology and users every other Friday throughout the year from Stockholm, Sweden. Today, we are doing the opposite of our topic. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> well, we're going to be, we're going to be discussing um, minimal viable product, MVP. Now, in the case of a podcast, I'm guessing that an MVP wouldn't actually be inviting three accomplished authors and respected names in our beloved industry for a three-way panel interview. Mm. No, I, I reckon it, it'd probably be me and you kind of mumbling into our beards in a cupboard somewhere. Right, probably, yes. Did you just like, say we invited three authors for a three-way? Uh, careful how you say three-way. Um, we have invited three accomplished authors. Do you, um, do you want to say who they are? Uh, I do actually. Uh, it's pretty amazing. It's uh, we got Russ Unger, we got Stephen Anderson, and Jeff Gothelf, uh, all together for one show, and we're all in different time zones. It's going to be crazy. And it's taken us weeks to actually <laughs> to, to get a date together where we to get all, a... all five of us could do it. Yeah. So um, we shall dive straight in to our topic, our debate. Oh, and before we call everyone up, I just want to mention that after this discussion about minimum viable product, we are going to be mentioning a UX conference that's happening here in Sweden on April 21st. And listen today right up till the end, because we will be mentioning a discount code that you, dear listener, will be able to use to attend that conference and meet not only us, but a fantastic lineup of UX speakers. Let's do it. And in this call, we've got Russ Unger, a co-author of A Project Guide to UX Design, Designing the Conversation, and Speaker Camp. You're a speaker, experience design director at UserGlue. Welcome to the show, Russ. Thank you. You've been on here before. I have. And we've got Steven Anderson, author of Seductive Interaction Design, also designer, speaker, CXO at Bloomboard, and uh, creator of the Mental Notes card deck which we came into contact with, with our f- on our first visit to UXLX, I think, in Lisbon, which was actually the start, starting point for this podcast. Fantastic. Glad to, glad to be here. <laughs> they're, still, they're still on my desk. Um, they've been on my desk since then, which was a few years ago now. And we've got Jeff Gothel, author of <clears throat> Lean UX, uh, also speaker, teacher, and musician. Uh, yes. Hey, guys. <laughs> awesome. So we brought you all on for our Christmas show to talk about minimum viable product. And the reason for this is a tweet that was sent out that caused a bit of a debate. And Russ, you were the one who sent the tweet. And it, it was an image, uh, which we can't show to our listeners, but we can sort of try and describe it. It's, uh, the title of the image is How to Build a Minimum Viable Product. Uh, under Not Like This, you first build uh, the wheel. And then the, what, what do you call that, of, of the car? Undercarriage? The, the, the <laughs> chassis. Chassis, yeah, chassis. And then the chassis, mm. and then the car, in steps. But that's, that's the wrong way to build a minimum viable product. I think a lot of our listeners would probably have seen this in someone's PowerPoint presentation. I know I've used it before as well. But uh, the way that people describe it then, the, the correct way that is described in this image is that you first build a skateboard, and then the scooter, and then the bicycle, and the motorcycle, and then, and then the car. Uh, sort of uh, trying to communicate that you actually build something that works, try it out with your users, and then build the next iteration of it. And so go ahead, Russ, and tell us why do you like this picture? So that's the interesting part of this. I didn't tweet a picture. I tweeted an article, and some folks who were on this podcast didn't read the article. (laughs) They instead jumped on a picture that was part of the article. True. So. <laughs> the, art, the article is actually by um, um, David um, uh, Nesovidzi, um, your ultimate guide to minimal yep. viable product. 
Yeah, and so that 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 that, Im- that image comes from. I think that's a Spotify. Uh, one of the Spotify guys put that image together. Uh, it might have even been Henrik Kneiberg uh, from Stockholm, I, who actually drew the original right. image. I've actually seen it on a Spotify presentation before as well. I, I've I've had yeah. their syndrome. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so so the truth of the matter is, I, I tweeted the article, and and people got a little um, caught up in in the image. Um, mm. I'm a bit of a a bit of a three-legged stool type of person. I'm also a bit of a, a, a person who believes that a lot of people um, only read three letters in any book that's about lean or, or other types of processes, which is uh, they read MVP and think that that's, that's everything as opposed to the, all the other things around it. So, um, you know, I think it was a little taken out of, out of context. Um, that's all. <laughs> but that, then we had Stephen's reaction to it which, of course, uh, spurred the debate, I think. Uh, and your reaction, Stephen, I think, was around the line. So I think I actually have the tweet here. It doesn't work for me. I want a car and nothing less. So minimum viable product tends to ignore cost of entering an established mature space. Uh, yeah. So, so, so in my defense, I'm looking at the tweet right now. Hmm. And it says, how to build a minimal viable product has a link and has a picture. <laughs> so this is Twitter. And like... <laughs> It's telling me this is how you do it. Look at this picture. So, uh, and I reacted to that um, as I do to these sorts of things on occasion. Um, I think I've done a riff on the donut version as well. There's a cake version. There's a bicycle unicycle version. There's all these versions of, you know, how to do an MVP thing. And I think most of them get it wrong, um, and they're ripe for shredding apart. I see. Th- I see. Yeah, uh, thumbs up there. Um, <laughs> Mm. Yeah, but now my, my biggest thing, which I don't see people talking about a lot, is you know there are certain things like new spaces where um, the cost entry is really low, like no one's done this before, and so the MVP, the minimum part, can be done in a short amount of time. Then there are spaces like the automobile industry where it's a pretty established, mature space, so if you want to do something in there, the cost of entry um, is is pretty high You know, before you can even start to differentiate or talk about how you're going to be different, you have to satisfy all these basic needs that a century of autom- the automobile industry has uh, led us to. So mm. that was that was my reaction. And I'm sorry, but like putting someone on a skateboard to see if they'd be interested in buying a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I, Seriously? I noticed that in the image. What it said was, if you get on this skateboard, you'll get a car. Um, no, and, I, and I'm picking on you, Stephen. I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah. I think you and I are actually in the same camp that I think a lot of those don't get it right. Yeah. yeah we tend all to be in agreement. And then, Jeff, you were, you were not in this debate as, as, maybe as, as, as much as you wanted to be. He, he is much wiser yeah. than that. Yeah. yeah. You were like, you were like overseeing the kids playing and saying, well, I don't have time to be all over the place. So what was your take on the discussion? <laughs> Uh, th- thanks for pulling me in. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, you know, I, it, it, you can't react just to that photo. I mean, you've got you've got to understand. So I, I feel like the, the, the reality is this. You can't I, I agree with Stephen's statement. You can't put somebody on a skateboard and ask them if they want to buy a car. Right. But the but that's not what that drawing is meant to illustrate. That, that drawing is meant to illustrate is to understand if there's a real problem to solve here, right? Essentially, you're using the MVP to figure out um, what the what the core need is and what the most uh, uh, what the most valuable way is to, to the customer to, to solve that need. And so, if if you're looking at at a, at a need for transportation, the people that you're you know it, it's that it's that old uh, that Henry Ford quote. That's not a Henry Ford quote, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster mm-hmm. horse, right? But if, if, if you would have asked us, if, if you talked to, to Henry Ford's customers back then, they would say, listen, I need to get stuff for my family from this place to that place more efficiently or faster. And certainly a faster horse is an option for that, right? But so is a car, a skateboard potentially. So, so it's, really, it's really understanding uh, how to get to the, to the core need, and then figuring out uh, iteratively what the optimal solution is for solving that need, and and just and again, I, I agree with Stephen wholeheartedly again here. So, uh, which is this concept has been so bastardized and misunderstood, and and it's, and it's consistently misused in 
every almost every company that I, I interact with, mm. it's consistently misunderstood and misused um, to the point where you, you would have that reaction that Stephen had, which is, uh, I, you know, you, I'm not going to get on a skateboard to see if I want a car. Mm. And that's I think that's the issue here is that people misunderstand the concept and have misappropriated the term. And that's exactly. that's not to say that yeah, I mean, Stephen's misunderstanding just... the concept, because I, I don't in a million years believe that yes. Stephen actually misunderstands it. If... <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's not No, I don't, I don't think you are. I just, um, I, I, I don't think that he did either. I think we all got a little caught up in it. So is this our virtual hug session? Is this what that's yes? Is? It is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but I can um, I can say that I I, I completely agree. And so when did, when I did a little bit of research now, I did some rereading of a few um, um, MVP articles that I kind of just randomly searched up, and and the the variations on what it means and what it's described as is is endless. And and to be honest, in most of the things I read. I came away with the, the feeling that, you know, it doesn't even exist. Every, everything seems to be talking about research, and just, just research, and they keep putting the MVP as a little label on top of this research, and there was very, very little um, that I read today, anyway, that was talking about um, producing something. Everything was about researching, and very little about the process of producing, and... I don't know if that's... For, for me, MVP was supposed to be a bit more about the process of, of getting something done, so that was actually a question I, I had um, for the panel here. That's I, I write down, are we, is MVP meant to test reactions or is it meant to mm. test behaviors? Mm. Um, two different things. Because if you need to test, will people actually use it? You build a, a minimum product and you watch. If you want to see whether people would buy it or something, I mean, there's much cheaper ways to to do that. And I know like uh, the, the CEO that I work with, he can walk into a room, wave his arms, describe something, and people are ready to write him a check, right? So is that mm. minimum? viable product. I mean, it is if we're testing reactions and market, mm. but then we've got to build it. And now we have to talk about minimum desirable product. We actually have to deliver a product that mm. engages people that people use because that's that's what's going to justify the check in the first place. Mm. Well, you know, that's interesting because then then is the Dropbox video a minimum viable product? Because to me, it's a video. It's a marketing piece. Mm. Exactly. The way... The way that I define it when I teach it is it's the smallest thing that you can make or do to test your hypothesis. So then would you and so would you say that that Dropbox video is such a thing? Okay. Yes. Absolutely. It's it's and, and again and I think that I think that the, the the concept of MVP is it's a research concept and it and the the shape of an MVP varies the complexity the fidelity uh uh, of an MVP varies based on what you're trying to learn, um, and so the the, the 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 idea is get something in front of people to learn the next thing that you have to learn. So sometimes that's a reaction, and sometimes that's a behavior, and sometimes that's a that's a, a purchase likelihood. But the 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 thing that you're getting out there is meant to to live in public. It's meant it's it's. It's not. It's not meant to be a hypothetical exercise. It's meant to be as realistic an exercise as possible. And again, I think this is what also gets lost in the conversation: is that it's it's a, it's a tool for research, and that research is an ongoing. Uh, it's an ongoing process. We we've. I, I think we're partially at fault for this, and I think it's partially due to to kind of the water the waterfall mentality that that has, you know, been the the. the primary mentality for, for the majority of the development of software um, is that research is this event that happens once at the beginning or maybe at the end or sometime in the middle. And the thing that I, that I try to get across when I talk to, to, to companies and teams is that research is part of your process that happens all the time. This is not something that you just you do once or twice. And, uh, and, and MVPs are a research tool. Hmm. But why do we even need then the term minimum viable product? Isn't it just early market research? Uh, that's, that's, that's a fair question. I mean, I, I um, and, and these days I would argue that the, like I said, the term is not. It, I think it's confusing people more than adding value. Um, but but it, it, I think it, it at least introduces the concept of the smallest thing that you can make mm. to learn the next thing, perhaps. So, so I find it interesting because in practice, I think there's a huge difference between the, the theories and the ideas, like you said, and the practice. But in practice, I mean, it's it's consistently meant to be what is the 
the less version of what we can ship now in a few days or weeks mm-hmm. or you know whatever the minimum time. And th- I mean, I see it as an excuse on product teams for basically really crappy or incomplete products. And they're saying, and the the mantra is, you know, it's it's lean, it's it's MVP, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, it's crap. <laughs> it's it doesn't work. It's incomplete. Mm-hmm. So I mean, where I don't know where where did we cross over to to that? Well, I don't know. and and let me add then by some of this logic is every Kickstarter campaign an MVP? Uh, absolutely. Okay. A- absolutely. I believe that, I believe that, yeah, that you believe that, and I, and I don't know that we necessarily sit on the same page with it. Um, and, and the reason I get hung up on it is that magical word product. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's also what like I went back to the little thing I said about for me it's a, I want I want to produce something I want to have something so so the the website with a you know sign up screen you no know, I I understand I understand completely Jeff what you mean that we're te- we're re- doing research um, but I know there's something missing there and I don't me. want to get us into defining the damn thing that's not I don't think any of us want to do that there's if we wanted to do that we could sit on Twitter and argue about it for days and come and go and, and have dinners yeah. and and real lives in between it all um, I, I think that but the word product does get me personally hung up because I feel like it it product itself feels a little more tangible to me so that's my personal hang-up mm-hmm. and that's all I can I can live with that <laughs> I think it's because of that word product. Like, I don't see it so much being used to test reactions. I see it being used to test behaviors. Like, we got to build the product, watch the data, look at the analytics, do A B testing, multivariate testing. Like, MVP mm-hmm. tends to be lumped with that all the time. The possible exception being the, uh, the fake sign up page or, you know, things like that to test reaction. But that, that takes a trivial amount of time to gauge interest and test reaction. Then you've actually got to build the thing. And that's where I, I see all the MVP conversations fall apart or get really, I don't know, things get kind of crazy so, <laughs> at that point. And that's where I see a whole bunch of um, of waterfall things being compressed, as, as I've heard people I work with call it rapids, um, <laughs> because it's a bunch of tiny waterfall projects uh, being thrown together is, it, to some degree. Yeah, we I, I've introduced a language on the, the product team I'm working with where um, we talk about, is this a deli tray feature? Is this a sandwich feature? Or is this a casserole? And we're still working on the language. But the idea is there are certain things you can just you can just ship out, right? Like we can ship lettuce this week. We can ship cheese. But you can't call it a sandwich. If you want to ship a sandwich, you have to ship the complete piece. Um, and you can maybe miss an ingredient or two. And then if you talk about something like a casserole, like there's preparation and completeness and cooking. And it's like it's the whole thing. You're not going to ship you know, the eggs and call it part of a casserole yet. And so I don't know. I think, I mean, there's no one answer. It just depends on the context, whether it's deli tray, sandwich, or casserole this time. Um, this, this, and I know there's Epic and there's features and other things like that and Agile, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I see two-week sprints and what can we ship, you know, or, or continuous deployment, what can we ship today? And, and I, I think everyone gravitates towards every feature is like a deli tray. We can just ship it as soon as it's done and th- that sense of completeness is lost. Mm. So look, th- 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 hold on, hold on a sec. Uh, there's, there's a level of maturity in this process that comes with teams who actually embrace this way of working. And you're, like anything else, you're going to suck at it at first, right? You're going you're gonna to have these debates about, well, let's ship a crappy project, product or not, or let's design it further or less. And over time, as teams work together, they build a... An, a a maturity, a maturity in their process, a maturity in the team structure, in their trust for each other, um, that allows them to to take variations on this. And I'll give you an example: uh, the concept of concierge MVP. You guys familiar with that concept? Where yep, you can explain a little bit for the listeners. Sure. So, so a concierge MVP, also known as the Wizard of Oz MVP, essentially presents the facade of a service. There's typically a, a landing page that that promises a product or service and a sign-up page. And then the entire service behind the scene is humans. Humans manipulating data, moving content around, sending emails, sending content, updating, whatever it is, right? But there's the, the entire service behind the scene is manual. So was, that, wasn't this the Zapp, was it Zappos? Was the which was the example yeah. the famous one? Yeah, Zappos. Yeah, Zappos, right? So so t- Tony Shee would go down to the to the shoe store and take pictures of shoes and put them up on the website, 
and then people would order them and he'd run to the web to the, to the shoe store and buy them and ship them essentially <laughs> right but that's that's essentially what we're talking about here we use we uh, at neo where i work uh, we use this technique all the time and we used to be pretty crappy at it and 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 kind of wield it haphazardly and what we found what we've learned is is over time by trying it and learning uh, we we've learned when it's appropriate We've learned how to do it better. We've 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 built um, increasingly better uh, project management tools to run these, and and we've learned the you know we've learned to pick up on the signals when it's time to abandon the human side of it and to start building actual code. And so so again, with with any one of these ideas or processes or tools or tactics, there's there's uh, a lot of speculation out there. There's a lot of content, and there's a lot of of, of different opinions and until you actually get a team together to, to repeatedly try these things and build some kind of maturity in their understanding and their process uh, it's always going to end up being well let's it, it's going to be it's going to be more difficult on that and that's why that's why you kind of have to stick to it and continue to iterate so and, and to me therein defines the problem i don't know anybody who is comfortable with sucking at anything for a little while uh, yet alone the perception that people above them can be comfortable with that. I'm not saying that it ha that it doesn't happen. Um, if anything, I make enough mistakes that I expect them from myself with consistency. Um, I don't necessarily like to shine a light on them, and I think that's part of it, right? I mean, you've done this over time, and when when people engage in their very first MVP, I feel like there's potentially a an ability to say, well, that MVP didn't work. Uh, it oop, didn't work three times on three different projects, so maybe it's time to stop this process. Am I that crap crazy? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean obviously people are trying things and it's not working for them. I, I, I think you know I think that the challenge is again, and 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 this is what I when I work with teams, this is what I try to teach them: is what are you trying to learn? What do you want to learn first? Right, and then what's the least amount of work that we have to do to learn that, and and and, and that's that's the key. And look, and, and in some systems, especially brand new startupy kind of services, that's very little work. And in other situations, like if you know, and I'll use GE as an example, um, but I mean, if you're if you're building if if you're building airplane engines, then there is a you know a, a significantly more complex least amount of work you can do. To learn whether or not I would think I don't I've never built an airplane engine, but um, start uh, with a skateboard. But that, but that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but my, my 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 point is is it's it's having that that maturity that, that organizational maturity to say listen we we're, this is the next thing that we need to learn and and that's that's a key thing here as well and and I'd love to hear both uh, both of your opinions on it because uh, because you're you're in such different places is. Um, there is a fundamental shift in a company's culture um, from delivery to learning that allows them to more broadly embrace ongoing research. <laughs> Russ, Russ has now written, um, I'd like a flying yeah. horse. I'm, yeah. I'm trolling with yeah. post-it notes um, while <laughs> Jeff speaks. <laughs> right. Um, but, 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 but when I, there's such an obsession with shipping shipping features hmm. in most companies that that's where I think that's where this concept of MVP and ongoing continuous research breaks down and I think that the successful companies that have done it um, value learning first and then delivery second because you're, you're actually going to deliver the right thing hmm. but what you're saying is that you have to it has to feel okay to not deliver something that maybe you're completely satisfied with yourself uh, I'm in a project right now where oftentimes we've actually released versions of the product. Uh, it's a web web service uh, where there's no delete button for some some parts where you upload an image. There's no delete for it. And we don't build that until someone ac actually asks for it. Uh, but a yeah. lot of people don't, well, especially the, the testers we've, <laughs> we've uh, employed don't want us to release it without the delete button. So there's a lot of communication going on there about well, nobody's asked for it yet, so we're not doing it yet because we might learn something about how they want to do that that would help us build a better delete button. Yeah. Yeah. And so, or, sorry. Go ahead. 
Sorry, I was just going to not have the delete button at all, but like we've talked mm. to before about the kind of the, the undo right. yeah. rather than mm. delete or whatever that you know. So, Jeff, in your experience, how do good teams tell uh, or determine what's minimum? Um, they So we, we sit with our teams and the, and the teams that I've seen do this well, and we decide, um, and, and it's interesting because even when you're looking at a hypothesis statement, and the typical hypothesis statement that the teams we work with look at, they look something like, we believe that building a delete button for uh, daily user, you know, daily professional users of our product will help them uh, improve the data integrity of their, their work. And we'll know this is true when we see the quality of their input go up uh, X percent, right? Something along those lines. That's what a hypothesis looks like. What what teams and, and what the, what's interesting is that the thing, the first thing, it's usually not possible or very difficult to assess the validity of a, of the entire hypothesis statement as it's originally written, and so we push teams to think about what's the first thing we need to learn. Really, what 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 are some of the it, what are the biggest assumptions that are baked into our thinking that if we get those wrong, this whole thing fails? And then the question becomes, okay, we're, we're making the assumption that, um, well, let me, give, let me give you another example because I, I was going to try to build off of uh, the example I don't know anything about. <laughs> but, but, but I'll give you another example. So, so I, I did some work, uh, and, and I tell, I tell the story when I teach a lot, so... Um, but I did some work uh, about three years ago with a children's media company. Uh, you know them. Almost everybody in the world has grown up on them over the last 45 years. Uh, they use puppets to convey their propaganda, uh, PBS, right? Uh, so uh, anyway, I did some work with them. And, and during the, uh, the inception uh, of the project, they, the project was let's bring our educational content into classrooms in disadvantaged neighborhoods. Now their target audience, their target student, are, is between the age of three and four, pre, pre-kindergarten. And they said, we're gonna bring our material, educational material into these classrooms on tablets. And we sat down with the team and the first thing that we asked them about was uh, the, the fundamental assumption that, that there it is. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Russ has now brought a puppet. <clears throat> yes, mm. an appropriate puppet, no less. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so we, we we took on the tablet assumption because fundamentally, if they got that wrong, then the whole thing falls apart. And the question was, is tablet the right form factor? And and so so the smallest thing that we could do to learn that was to go sit in a disadvantaged pre-K classroom, which none of us had ever been in and certainly hadn't been in in a long time. Our kids are older than that. And so we sat there and there's, there's 40 children and typically there's one teacher and sometimes two. So the question then becomes, is there a moment in this, in this uh, teacher's day where she can stop at any point and look at a tablet when she's trying to control a room filled with 43-year-old children? And then the other question becomes, they were never going to put 40 tablets in every classroom. They were going to put th- five tablets in the classroom. And so then the question becomes, what happens when you put five tablets in front of 40 children? Hmm. Right? And, 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 and again, that's, that's the kind of conversation that we try to push for, is, is, to, is, to, is to validate those fundamental assumptions first. And then as you gain... Uh, validity in your thinking the the sophistication of your mvp increases the fidelity and so forth it all it all starts to uh to increase so that's you know that's uh what i'm talking about when i when i say what's the first thing that we need to learn or the next thing that we need to learn and what's the least amount of work that we need to do to learn it so the fidelity of the MVP increases, but when does it become something that that is not an MVP, or is every product always still an MVP? That's a great question. Well, I mean, 
I think we all agree that nothing's ever done, even though, um, mm. even though people frequently leave a project or a product or whatever it is. I mean, that's just the nature. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I can't help it, and I'm talking and using a Muppet. The video version of this podcast might be better, right? <laughs> Mental note, Pat. Next time we get him on the show, we don't video exactly. it when we're yeah. Skyping. <laughs> Don't give me too much opportunity to be a, a smart aleck. Uh, I apologize. Um, I, I actually see now a lot of what Jeff is talking about. Um, and it almost pains me to say it because he's on the call. Um, but that um, while I'll, I'll never fully admit to being... Um, to, to to banging the book around, I'm a convert to the way he's talking and thinking. I, I absolutely am. So yeah, are you writing down the date and time that I said this, Jeff? I, I am. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm drawing a picture. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. Oh, oh. Yes. So, so, something that Russ said he likes me. I'm going to bring back the, the tension though. I see because when you talk about MVP as research wholeheartedly agree it makes sense i just don't see that over and over in every case study every example it's mvp as product delivery process that's i mean that's what i keep getting hung up on it's the minimum viable pro the things you build and maybe it's because i work in silicon valley with lots of startups and that's the mantra that's that's waved around particularly engineering teams to to as an excuse to ship less and that i don't know i just, I, I agree with everything you're saying but it sounds like good research you know, good ethnographic research. You know, in the in the case of the the, the elementary school and the, the tablets, but there's that point where you cross over and you say, "Okay, we got to get to build the product," and that's where things break down for me on a weekly basis, where we're arguing about is a feature needed or not, and that's when, like, I'll use an example on a, a product we're working on right now. There's a there's kind of a common a thing that's become more common on Facebook and and uh, Google Plus and uh, uh, Slack and things like this, where when you paste a link in, um, it'll go and it'll pull an image and the headline and the first couple sentences. It's, it's kind of a, I would say it's a basic expectation or becoming one on a some lot of, of these the, sites. And it's, some of the social card type of stuff? Yeah, social card. I think it may be called Link Share on Facebook. Uh, but we were talking about, do we need this in our product, which is a place where you take notes. And, and we dug into the data and the research and having an image on those links definitely will increase engagement with that page and click through like the, the data was unquestionable looking at uh, other sites so the recommendation then was we should do it because we know it's the right thing to do but then the pushback was well that will cost a lot to build is it really worth it is that being in lean and minimum and that was the debate and those are the kind of debates we have every day like should we build this feature or not and it comes down oftentimes to what do we believe we know based on other stories or based on you know a decade or two worth of experience um, versus, well, we don't know. This is entirely new context. Can we do without? Th those are the types of conversations I struggle with all the time. Mm. How do you guys measure success? Uh, we have some really good OKRs. We're a big fan of, uh, of setting like one or two key objective or objectives and then good measures. Right now, on the product we're working on, it's all about engagement, and uh, we're doing cohort analysis to to look at uh, look at how many people are actually engaging, returning um, those types of things. And so one, one, in that particular page with the visual links, we were looking at engagement with that page. And I guess you could say the hypothesis is, if we build this, people will engage with this page. And then the pushback was, well, that's not a trivial feature to build. Do we really need it? And so then you're left saying, you know, so one person believes a minimum is to launch without it, just with links. Another person believes that, you know, in this case me, <laughs> believes that, no, if we, want to, if we want to increase engagement, we actually absolutely have to have this feature. That's a minimum. So, and those are the deb debates that I find myself getting so into. So how the much time do you spend debating two minimums? <laughs> uh, and I, but I'm being serious when I ask you that is, could you have built both minimums and tested them? Now, in this case, fortunately, we found it out. There's a third-party service that does this. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that was really nice. Um, but that's not always the case. Sometimes you have to build stuff. Um, and then, I mean, if nothing else, out of these conversations and these, this debate, we have good consensus around what is necessary. And we do reach a conclusion as a healthy team around what we believe is important or why. I mean, so that, that to me is, is the big win. And there are times when I want to over-design and I get pulled back from that ledge. 
Um, other people want to do too little, and you know they maybe believe they're you know they come around to that a little more is needed. Um, but the the candor and the conversations are the most valuable thing that come out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, it, it's tough. It's it's tough for for us to react. I think to the example that you shared, <laughs> only because no, 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 no. I mean, because there's so much context that we don't have mm-hmm. um, around how important, for example, how important is engagement compared to other OKRs that you're measuring, right? What are the competing features that you're considering uh, to drive engagement? Um, you know, I find it, I, and, and, I, and I could be wrong on this, um, but there's, I don't, I would venture a guess that there is, there are some shades of gray between not having this and having the fully robust version of this. There's probably something in between, and there's, there may be even a way to, to fake it and test it and see if it actually drives engagement, right, to, to I, I don't know, maybe there's a manual process that can happen where this, with, you know, but, but again, it's, it's an experiment, but, but you're not, you're just looking for some signal, some kind of a scent, some kind of, of, of an indication that this direction is slightly more likely to succeed than that direction. Right, Any, and anything anything like that is helpful. So, can you follow the scent from other companies? For example, we dug up data on when Facebook added this versus not, and it was orders of magnitude, you know, in conversion or click through. Can you look at that and say, I, I mean, you don't want to go down to the cargo cult mentality, but on the other hand, there are best practices and patterns, and and in this case, like adding a picture to a link, it's like basic human psychology and cognition would mm-hmm. say that's a good idea. We click on pictures. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if your user base, I mean, say your user base is similar to Facebook <laughs> is unfair uh, because everyone's user base is similar to some segments of Facebook's. <laughs> yep. but, 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 I mean, but, but if, you, if you can take cohorts of, of similar users from Facebook and, and say, look, when they see this date, when they see this kind of uh, feature, this is how they behave, then yeah, absolutely. Not for not for nothing, but that sounds a little bit like the research aspect that we keep going back to as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Russ again. Oh, so, again. M- so MVP is research. Yeah, it's it the takeaway like from it. all this. Thing. Actually, one word stuck with yeah. me there that when you were describing it, Stephen, is that you said that the feature wasn't it wasn't trivial, and isn't the whole thing with the MVP is that you're supposed to actually make it trivial you test something that is simple and then expand on it and and see if, like the, what's the minimum viable version of that feature that you could try out before you actually build the full feature of it yeah but, but i mean not everything's trivial i mean in that, that case it's kind of binary do we have the picture or not and then we start talking to engineers about how to do that how to actually mm. go through that that's it's it's non-trivial um, unless you find a third-party service who does it, uh, <laughs> which, <yeah. laughs> which was the which we're doing that with commenting. Commenting doesn't core to our product, but you know there are things like Discus and Moot and other services, so you can mm-hmm. drop those in and test you know commenting without taking the the sprints necessary to build it. So, true. Yep, absolutely. I'm just I'm just starting to think about now as well about the well some of the issues that Stephen's bringing up is is to do with facilitating and and um gaining consensus across teams how is is there a scale of difficulty here that uh, there's a certain size of of team where we can we can work successfully and then you get to a certain a certain size and it, it it basically falls over under its own weight because there's so many people involved so many opinions involved that the amount of time to get consensus kills the whole lean aspect of it I think that's true of any any process or any team. I mean, you look at even some of the big companies like Google, they keep a very flat structure and small teams. Um, I mean, regardless of your methodology or process or dogma or whatever, I think small tends to be better in many cases or at least decentralized mm. in working together. Mm. Yeah. So I think we're actually uh, soon have to wrap up to keep within our time limits here. Uh one uh, one question for all of you uh, is, uh, for me at least, I don't know if James has any further questions, but uh, if, like, specific advice for our listeners, if you're sitting in a development team, how would you try and get that team, if you want to market that concept of the minimum viable product, how, how do you get that team on board and help them understand the benefits of it and start working within those realms? Who wants to go first? <laughs> I, I, so I, I'll, I'll jump in really quickly. I think that the, the, the question, the, the, 
the conversation that you want you want to have is uh, what is the objective that we're trying to achieve with this feature? Um, how do we know that this feature is going to achieve it? And if we have some doubt, and, and you, you should in, in almost all cases, um, what is, um, are there um, ways for us to find out very quickly whether this is the right direction? And, and, and there's, so, there's so many different ways to do this from competitive analysis to experiments to, um, you know, to the concierge MVPs that I talked about to existing infrastructure, right? Mo uh, to, to, you know, again, to Stephen's point, a lot of these ideas have already been built or there are systems that exist today that you could drop in for free, test how they affect your, your, your workflow, and then, and then improve on that. So uh, that's, that's where I would start the conversation. Russ, you want to jump in? <laughs> Not yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think a big part of it is something that uh, it, it's always, to me, also having all the right people in the room. Um, I, I look at, at the road blockers people who are checkpoints and if they're part of the the problem if they're part of helping you solve the problem or testing it out um they work with the team to get things done they realize things that that happen that make them a hurdle and a, and a stopping point as opposed to something that can keep things moving quicker and and to me that's part of what makes things feel lean is that ability to not have stopping checkpoints where you sit and wait for somebody's calendar to free up for two days to, to review uh, thinking that if, with any amount of pausing may continue to go beyond that stop point, meaning people don't like to really sit still and wait for a decision. So um, the instant I send somebody like Stephen an email, if he doesn't respond to me in 24 hours, I've, I've already started thinking past it and the frame of the question has changed. So you know, the, those waiting points, those pauses are really challenging. So if you have the right people in the room who can help you kind of, again, be part of the process, keeps you moving along, um, to me, that's a big, big part of it. Um, and I'm not answering the question because I <laughs> just totally went twisted in a different direction. So I apologize for that. Um, that's okay. And I've forgotten what the question is. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 th I think I wrestle with a lot of a lot of these things uh, on a day to day basis. Um, but that said, at, at the end of it all, I know having hyp hypothesis that's stated for the team or having some metrics on the wall are huge. And I've actually found myself saying, "Look, I'd like to have a shorter runway or uh, amount of cash or amount of time because that forces you to make the most valuable decisions." Um, so that, I mean, I think having that and, you know, touching base daily or weekly on the metrics and what features will drive these metrics um, is, is one huge takeaway that I don't think anyone would disagree with. And I would actually take a step further in this whole conversation. We talk a lot about user-centered design and user experience, but um, I, I like how Kathy Sierra uh, talks about things. How would we, what, what would we build to create a minimum badass user? That's that's her phrase, mm. and, and so <laughs> reframing things to what will make someone awesome, and I experienced this recently using uh, Medium, the, uh, the editing blog composing tool, however <laughs> you want to describe it, and uh, you know I've been commenting on Medium in terms of quality, and you have a guy who spent a month on you know perfecting underlines on on hyperlinks and and looking at it as a great product, but I actually used it uh, in the past few weeks to write something, and I realized it was the feeling that wow whatever I'm writing is going to look better than I can make it look on my own or on my own site. Like it made me feel awesome. It just, cause they've spent all that time sweating the details and making things awesome in that case. Um, so yeah, I think, I think going beyond just what are the metrics and what can we do to be really great as a company, but what can we do to make our users awesome is, so, uh, is a great way to reframe things. I want to piggyback off of something Steven said, which is the shorter runway. Um, whenever, whenever I'm doing sketching exercises with people and, and there's inevitably the, 12 year old eye roll or look of disgust when I give them five minutes to accomplish an impossible uh, sketch. Uh, homepage for X that gets a million users a month uh, and, and they get instantly disgusted. The reality is um, people will fill in whatever type, type of space that you give them where space is an amount of time, an amount of budget. So Stephen's concept of, of giving, giving him a shorter runway, like what can you do with less time? What can you do with less I think uh, breathing room, if you will, or, or just space to get something accomplished is mm. potentially something that it's 
got a lot of value to it in of itself. If you can take whatever you think, you know, it's going to take us two months to do it. Great. What can we do in a month and really make that focus happen? I think there's a lot to that because people will, if you give somebody a million dollars in six months, um, $995,000 and five months and 30 days later, they'll be ready to talk to you. Nice. And I wanted to just add, or just to say at the end, um, exceptional viable product. Yes. The whole idea that you kind of, yeah, that maybe there is the, it could be a, a better starting point or a better, better mantra um, in some of these teams than minimal. Because minimum viable, all these words just suddenly, you would just push us down from the start to something that feels underachieving. Mm. Wow. I'm amazed at how well this worked, actually. I thought we were going to be all speaking at the same time. It's, it was really good. Uh, and I think we got a lot of value out of it, all of us, and hopefully our listeners as well. So thanks so much, guys, for doing this with us. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays. Again. Yeah, happy holidays. Bye-bye. So, Pei, well, now we know all about what MVP isn't I guess that's well I'm not sure where do we actually know what it is but we know exactly I I don't think we can say I don't want to say oh now I know what MVP is because I said we've we've learned mainly that it's oh mostly what it isn't and yeah we we always keep coming back to this with Mm. research and doing the right research and having the right hypothesis and having the right mindset when approaching a project and getting to know the user's expectations and behaviors before you actually ship something that's finished. So it's, it's really no, no, nothing new. Never finishing, and never finishing. And never finishing, yeah, absolutely, true. The research and I loved, the, I loved uh, what Steven said about minimum uh, viable, no, minimum badass user, what was he said? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah minim, minimum badass user, I think he said. Minimum viable badass user, something like that. <laughs> but I'll that, have to listen back to it. Yeah, but that is, <clears throat> you're right, that's an, I like that concept, <clears throat> that you kind of, it makes your mind switch straight away to, to the, the user. Um, instead of you know your internal things and what you want and your stuff and your team, mm. um, and also like I mentioned towards the end as well about um, exceptional viable product, yeah. um, the whole idea that we, we spin this round and instead of instead of focusing on minimums and you know we think about the psychology of stuff where you know we're using minimal viable product we're, we're using these kind of good enough phrases so psychologically we're we're tramping ourselves down into the mud before we've mm. kind of lifted ourselves up and stood upright. Um, and, and I think we, we can get a lot, a lot better mileage from, from using a bit more positivity in, in some of these right. you know, ways of working. Um, uh, you, you open it up to so many different interpretations, so mm. it's hard that what, pe- what people are expecting could be the, something that is small and tiny just because you call it minimum, but that's perhaps not what you're talking about, really. No, no exactly. We're back to the... Mm. Um, I think there was a quote I read um, which was um, talking about um, how um, uh, just having a minimal viable product is kind of like um, visiting someone in an intensive care unit. They're, they're alive, but they're not any fun to spend time with. <laughs> uh, yeah. this, this is the kind of whole level of, of, of delight and, um, mm. and you know, the feeling of, of, God, this is good. That has to be in there. And I know Jeff will almost certainly say, well, yeah, but that's part of your minimum. Mm. Yeah, but I think the the most disagreement was really around: does it have to be the product product itself that is the minimum viable product, or can it be actually pre making the product mm-hmm. that is the minimum viable product? And I guess that's where I, I, I suppose Jeff and Russ were a, a bit opposed. But I mean, not in a way that makes them work differently. It's just that the word gets everybody. Yeah. Uh, yep confused again exactly like i said mm. product makes me think product yeah. and and i i don't feel as if a a walkthrough video on a website is actually a an, an mvp but i understand mm. i understand what jeff's saying and i understand yeah. what stephen was saying as well exactly and it, and it highlights <laughs> everybody's it, right yeah exactly and it just highlights the 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 the, the com- ambiguity and the complexity and and the challenge of of getting consensus within teams yeah. or organizations because it's beyond mm. the team a lot of the time, most of the time. Hmm. Um, what I've thought about now is, well, where we've got, we've got a question, haven't we, Per? Do you know where Steve Wozniak is going to be in April? Hmm. 
<laughs> he's going to be in Sweden, of course. Yes. In yes. Stockholm. Uh, and he's going to be at Business to Buttons, which is a conference uh, on the 21st of April. Exactly. Uh, next year. And uh, it's a conference that I've, I've been to a version of it many years ago in Malmö. But this is a one-day conference with a, a lot of interesting speakers. Uh, I know that Karen McGrain is going to be there. and, and uh, Ethan Yeah, Ethan yeah. yeah. And, of course, was. Mm. And was mm. so, and we're actually uh, gonna be the podcast uh, producers for, for the conference. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna be walking around and speaking to a lot of those speakers. And we're actually also mm. gonna interview. All be well. We're gonna interview a couple of the speakers before the event. Exactly right. As a so bit of a build up to it. Um, keep an eye out for for those shows as well. Yeah. Yeah. And come along to uh, if some of you have not been to Stockholm, then this is actually quite a good event to come along and. Um, and say hello to us. It is. I mean, the, organi- <laughs> the organizers are really, really, really good. And they, I mean, I'm just really impressed by the lineup they've produced for this conference. It's, it's amazing. Mm. Oh, and here's the treat that I mentioned right at the top of the show. If you use the discount code UXPODCAST when you sign up for uh, this conference at FromBusinessToButtons.com, you'll receive a 10% discount if you sign up before January 31st. So do that and uh, come say hi. What I also think I'd like you to do is I'd like you to subscribe to our backstage mailing list so I can, I can send you lovely, joyous emails. Actually, Pear does as well a little bit. We can, we can, tell, you, um, <laughs> we can tell you about these kind of things um, mm. that um, we mention uh, sometimes at the end of shows. We can um, give you that and more. Just go to our website, uxpodcast.com, and you'll see what's called a hello bar at the top of the page which you can just fill in your email address and it's as simple as that remember that on our website you can also find show notes um to the show and um and that picture that we talked about now and the links that will be there uh, link to the articles yeah yep there'll be articles there'll be links mm. and there'll be all kinds of stuff and and maybe even a picture i didn't get a picture of russ and his puppet i'm afraid but he actually um, had video so i think we can figure that out we oh, can yeah. probably we can probably get a, a picture of, of russ's puppet yeah, and maybe one or two of his <laughs> post-it notes. He's he's a handful. Yeah, he's a. Are you, as we say in Swedish, um, and boofs unga. <laughs> you can now. You all of you who are not Swedish oh. can look that up and work out what it means. Yeah. Yep. We need to get on with our holiday now. We do. I'm going to go back to my log fire and mm. my um, my couch and my um, glass of whiskey. Exactly. <laughs> Blunt fittish in my case. Okay then. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.